Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. These are the messages that were given on Sunday morning, December 31st, 2023 by Brad Warren, Cassidy Taylor, and Lauren Roberts. Each speaker responded to the same question, which was, the new year starts tomorrow. Where do you want to preheat your spiritual oven as you step into a new year? What is the thing about Jesus that you need to cling to as you face whatever this new year is going to bring? Guys, help me give a warm welcome for our friend Brad Warren. Good morning. Um, So my thesis today, I'm stealing from a song we sing all the time. Uh, When all is dark and I don't know anything, I'll remember he loves me. Okay? Let's start with the bad news. This year is not going to go the way you want it to. Okay? Now, I'm sure there's going to be great things, and you should be grateful for them and all that stuff, but I'm not talking about that this morning. Okay? Um, I'm not trying to be funny. Okay? Uh, There... There will be disappointments this year. There will be setbacks. There will be unexplainable tragedies this year. But Brad, what about Romans 8, 31 and 32? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all good things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How could somebody who's on our side let the things that we don't want happen to us? Well, that's the thing. God is not on our side. He is for us. Okay? I looked at the Greek. I hope I did it right. In the Greek, the phrasing here is just that. God is for us. Sometimes it is translated, God is on our side, and and that's okay. But really, it's just a preposition. It's just the preposition for. It's sometimes translated above and sometimes translated over. God is for us. It isn't constructed to say that God is backing our play. God didn't hire us to make decisions. God isn't standing on the, the side of the line that we've drawn in the sand. God isn't on the team I'm on. God is for me. The word is used in Mark 14, 24, uh, during the Last Supper. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, given, provided for, poured out because of the decisions we've made, because of the sides we've taken, in spite of me. God is for me, in spite of me. So what am I trying to say? I don't want God to take my side. I don't want God to buy things off, uh, off of my Christmas list. I mean, I do. I do want it. I do want that. Let's admit it. Okay. But what I want, I, I know this, what I want is small, right? What I want is wrong. This may undermine my credibility a lot, but it turns out I'm wrong very, very often. God is not small. God doesn't get it wrong. And he is for you. He loves you. And still, there will be things that happen to people in our lives this year that we will not have an idea what God is doing. We will think he must have gotten it wrong. We will think, how is God for me in this? I don't know. He is. 
When all is dark and I don't know anything, I'll remember he loves me. I have two problems in this world. I don't get what I want. And I don't want the right things. I'm not satisfied. I'm not content. And the third one is probably that I'm just terribly confused. I feel this way because I want the wrong things. The message translation has this for Ephesians 2.2. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. This is me. Every time I look around and see if I matter, see if I have value, I am bombarded with a million things that tell me how to measure it. And about 999,000 of those things I'm not interested in. Okay, but that other thousand, they look pretty good. I want it. I want to have it and define myself by it. I want to wear my accomplishments and my attributes like a fine set of clothes. I want the way you see me to be a mirror just bouncing back pleasant light to me. I want to, I want to use and have the things and experiences that make me feel better. I want and I want and I want and I'm not satisfied. Okay? And it's not all bad things I want. God ta has taught me a lot in 47 years of getting it wrong. I want good things. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are his masterpieces, and he has good works for us to do. I want that. So sometimes the problem can be that we don't want to do good works. Okay? This happens to me. Sometimes the problem is that we don't want to do the specific good works God has for us, okay? And this is not completely a you problem. God doesn't always tell us what's going on. Usually, I know what to do just about the time that I'm supposed to do it, just in time to obey. I may feel called to something that is good and holy, and I may work toward it and stretch myself and grow, and then it doesn't happen. God will put me somewhere else to do a less interesting, less desirable, less me-pleasing thing that he has prepared in advance for me to do. So what's going on here? What is happening? I don't really know. There's a long-term eternal perspective that we should have that calls these light and momentary troubles. When I get to heaven, I will want the right things, and I will have them. That's good and wise and healthy, but here we are now, and we want to understand it. And I don't know if we get to. For thousands of years, God has let this situation persist. <laughs> Even when Jesus was here, there has always been suffering, trouble, and pain. People of God have been confused about it for thousands of years. People like you have chased after things, even good things, and never been satisfied. We have bumbled and scraped and wandered and tried and been unsatisfied since the Garden of Eden. So, if you are hurting, if you do not feel like you are good enough, if you are confused, if you are lonely and desperate and depressed, if you want to get up, give up, when you're impatient, you are in good company. I felt all those things lately. You see, one chapter in my life is closing and another one's opening up and I won't really get into it, it's just life. 
But it's opened a door inside me to ask a lot of questions. What do I want to do? How do I measure myself now? Who am I if I'm not doing this? What will I be able to be? What does God have in store for me? Will I like it? Will it flatter me? Will all you guys be impressed me with me when I do it? Will I be allowed to do something I enjoy? Will it fulfill me? What should fulfill me? Is he going to put me through more learning and growing? <laughs> what I've done has been so good, and what I've learned through it has been so good. Much of it has been stuff I would not have wanted. What I have been given is so good. What I've been able to give is so good. Much of it has been things I would not have wanted. I have found that I matter, but not always in the ways I wanted to matter. There have been hard times, things that hurt that I could not control, visible mistakes that put me in tough spots and embarrassed me, humbling events and realizations that showed me truths that I still do not want to accept. And there has been love. Most of the time, when I ask Jesus to tell me what's going on, he doesn't do it. And he tells me instead that he loves me. I'm going to say that again. Most of the time, when I ask Jesus to tell me what's going on, he doesn't do it and instead tells me he loves me. I have you, little one. I have you. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So I'm when, conf when I'm confused, because things aren't going the way I want, I will hold on to, tight to the ideas that God knows better than I do, and if Jesus loved me enough to die for me, then he knows enough and loves enough to see me through the rest of the way. When all is dark and I don't know anything, I'll remember he loves me. Thank you. And now, now I get the privilege of introducing Cassidy Taylor to you guys. Cassidy is one of our own. We're very, very proud of her. We've supported her for a long time, for a while in Jackson, Tennessee. And now is, she is the East Knoxville Area Director for Young Life. And uh, I'm excited to hear what she has to say. I might just have the stool. Y'all, my back hurts. So I got to have this. This is for backup. Like, I'm going to try to stand up for 10 minutes, maybe 13. I don't know. But um, I'm a talker. But um, my name is Cassidy. I would say that I recently rebranded to Cass. Like, that's kind of what I introduced myself as, so you can call me Cass. Um, and I started coming to this church 10 years ago, I think. That's crazy. When I was 16, I'm already wanting to cry. Um, just looking around, um, I'm just filled with gratitude and just kind of in shock of, like, I can't believe that now it's me. Like, I'm the one that's standing up here when the first time I came to this church, I was sitting beside my Young Life leader. And hadn't really had a ton of experience with church. And I mean, I was that kid who genuinely thought that like God was like the moon. I don't know, like I was just confused. And so just came a long way since then. Um, but back then I just remember sitting um, like in the crowd and just being so captivated by 
what was happening up front. Like, I mean, how can you not just be drawn in by Tom and like how he preaches? And it's not just what he said about Jesus, but the way that he said it and the way that he lives his life. Um, I was just like, you are bringing the words to life um, just by the way that you live. Um, and even just with worship, like, I mean, Lee would always say that um, he is just like, I'm his worship leader, but I learned to worship by watching you worship and watching Thomas and just feeling like I can be free and like be myself. And so this is where I feel like I met the real me and who I really am. And so I'm grateful. But if I'm being honest, I feel like the real magic for me happened within the body of this church. Um, I, growing up, like I felt a lot of the times like I didn't belong or um, I was too much, not enough, whatever it was. But here, I just felt like I was just like a celebrity. Like even today, it's like people were screaming for me and I'm like, okay, period. <laughs> I'm like, let's get it. Um, but like when I came in, like even it's funny, some of the things I'm going to share already have happened. Like I walk in, Lee gave me the coolest nickname ever when I was in high school, CT. It's really not even that cool, but I felt cool. And he'd be like, what's up, CT? And it, I was like, I remember asking my Young Life leader, like, why does he act like he hasn't seen me in forever? And she's like, because he does that. But I love it because like, <laughs> because it's like he just loves me. It was exciting to see me. And then just, I remember walking in and Potsy just like greeting me with this just warm smile and like warm embrace. And I felt like I was just one of his own. Like I was just one of his girls. And I just love that because I feel like I have like a strained relationship with a lot of people in my family. And so I felt like my family was starting to build um, and then even when it comes to my friendship with Maddie Cox, like she constantly invited me to church, even when we were at Tennessee Tech. And she also just has this open door policy at her house where I feel like I can just show up and sit on her couch and talk about life. Um, and then Tom, if you've ever had a random phone call from Tom, I don't understand. He's always running. <laughs> like, I I'm like, for one, like, how do you talk and run at the same time? Tom? I, I can't even imagine talking and breathing at the same time like that or running and breathing at the same like that's scary. Um, but amazing. I'm proud of you. Um, and then lastly, just the way that you have loved me, Christy, like the way that you just hug me and hold me and you're so tender um, has really been healing for me. And I just think about all the babies that I've held and all the families that I've sat in between um, and just how healing and um, how much that has made me into who I am today. And so just 10 years later, I just wanted to say thank you so much just for the way that you've supported me. Um, even like financially for my job, like I couldn't do this without you, the way that you um, give your money so that I can be on Young Life staff for so many years. But also like what I love the most are the phone calls and like the hugs and the, you might not remember me. And I'm like, I do, like I remember your face. Like I remember the smiles um, and the hugs. And so I'm just really grateful. And I feel like I couldn't even start to speak without saying that. I can't even stand up here without saying that. And so that's that, I didn't cry. Um, that's great. Let's go. Okay, so now I'm going to get into it, Lee. I hope that wasn't like 10 minutes already. Okay, I'm talking a lot. Um, but the other day, so there's this weird thing that I do where like I just don't like to clean. Like it's like if I start to clean, it's like, are you okay? Like, are you good? And I feel like there's a difference, and maybe you agree, between being dirty and being messy. I'm just messy. I'm like, I'm going to wipe down a counter, but my clothes are everywhere. Like that's kind of how I am. Um, but the other day I was at my friend's house and this is the thing that I like to do is I'll clean my friend's house, but I don't want to clean my own. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a way of like, I just want to love you. And my friend, she's married, has a three-year-old and I was babysitting for her and while she was at work 
And I was like walking around the house and I was like, wow, like it's just so clean in here. But then I like went into her room and I was like, oh, this is where everything is. <laughs> like I was like, and that's me, like same. But I just was like, maybe I'll just like clean up for her. And so that's kind of like how I wanted to serve her. And the, the baby was taking a nap. And so I started cleaning like, and I noticed that most of the mess was like, on the on her vanity and like in her corner where all of her clothes were all these things and when she got home I mean like I try to keep it real with my friends you know and I was just like I feel like or I, I asked her a question I was like do you ever feel like you just spend so much time caring for everyone else but don't have anything left for yourself and you don't care for yourself and she was kind of like yeah you know like it's kind of like those questions that like make your stomach turn and you're like dang but yeah, and that's kind of how it was. And we started to have this conversation. And that kind of led me to where I'm going today. I feel like working in full-time ministry um, and even just like being a Christian, like someone who loves people, being a mom, being whatever, um, a lot of the time my life feels that way. Um, there have been so many moments where I felt so alone. Like I was honestly so just like, it was heartwarming to hear you say that you had felt lonely because I was like, <laughs> me too, like I'm about to get up here and tell everybody I feel lonely. Um, but there have been so many times where I felt so alone, wondering, like, I've devoted my life to caring for people, but who's going to take care of me? And a lot of people, thankfully, like know my story because you've been praying for me for so long. But I've felt that and heard this lie of like, no one, no one cares about you. No one's going to take care of you. And that is something that I'm constantly fighting. Um, and I rem like I feel like sometimes I'll look around and be like, it seems like everyone's like taken care of and good, and like my corner is just a wreck. It's a mess. It's dusty, and I just feel like no one is taking care of me. And here lately, um, that sentence has felt painfully true. Like I'm someone who I really love the Christmas season. Like even looking around, I'm like I love the green, the red, like the songs. Walking into the store, smelling the, like Christmas candles. I'm like, yes, this is a vibe. I love doing my Advent devotional. Like I just love all things Christmas. But Christmas Day has always been really hard for me. Like I don't know what it is. Like I think it's a little bit of loneliness, also some grief. Like I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, this is it. You know, it's like this is what the buildup was for. Like I'm just kind of feeling like I'm looking. I'm on the outside looking in at everyone else's joy, like everyone else experiencing this life and happiness, and here I am feeling lonely. And one thing that I realize time and time again every year is that even in that place where I feel lonely and I feel sad and heavy on what's supposed to be like the happiest day ever is the Lord is with me. And so I'm so excited to, to share with you how he showed me that. When Lee first sent me the question, I was like, it's like, what do you need from God in the new year? And I'm like, everything, like anything, <laughs> like I'll take anything. Like, I'm like, that's kind of how I felt. And I was like, I don't know how to narrow it down. Um, but <laughs> one way that he has shown me is I, like I said, lately, I felt lonely. I felt sad. I felt heavy. I really have. Like, that's just where I'm at. And I just moved to Knoxville from Jackson. It's like, Two of my like best friends are here, but it's like I haven't made a ton of new friends. Like I'm trying to find another church. Like that, there's nothing like this church. I'll say it. Don't move. Um, but anyways, um, every morning for the past couple weeks, I have just been so aware of the birds outside my window. I really have, and I wish Thomas was in here because he's probably like same. Like I love birds, um, but <laughs> and. I weirdly feel like they've been trying to get my attention. Like, I don't know. I feel like there is just like 
sometimes when I feel like I'm distant from God, like he will do something and then he keeps doing it. And then I'm like, okay, like I'll start listening. But looking back, I realized like every time I would hear the birds chirping, have y'all, have y'all heard that? This is like a conversation. Have y'all heard that song that's like, I think it's Gyra by Maverick City. And it's like, if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? And that would just start playing. It was like automatic. Like it was like birds, and it would just play. And like that's where I would wake up and just hear this song. And I was like, he loves me. Like I just remember feeling that like deeply. Um, and so that's where we're going today. This song has just been playing in my soul and it has led me to Luke 12. Um, that's what I need to know going into 2024 is that he cares for me. Like if he dresses the lilies, how much more does he love me? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I wish I could just like hang out with all of you because I just like to talk like way more than just getting up here and speaking. I, like I kind of wanted to throw up at first. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it is that you're needing right now. Um, but I know that typically the things that I need, they can't be found under a tree. Like they're not materialistic things. Like sometimes the things that I need, I can't even tell you. Like, I just know that there is something that I need, and I can't, even, I can't even voice it. But it is so comforting to know that the God that created me knows everything that I need. And so as I was reading Luke 12, I discovered that my new motto for 2024 will be, look, seek, and don't be afraid. Period. That's what it's going to be. But not the period. Just look, seek, and don't be afraid. That's how I want to live. Um, but I'm going to start out by reading Luke 12, 24 through 28. And that's where I start with, with look. So it says, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? I want to look. Like, I want to pay attention to the ways that God is already showing me that he cares for me. Like, that's the first thing that I want to do. And as I was reading this, I was kind of thinking, like, we can look up and see the birds and say, oh, I'm so valuable. He cares for me. And we can look down and see the grass and see the flowers and know that he cares for us. And I kind of feel like he did that on purpose. It's like, I'm thriving. Like, I'm looking up. I'm vibing. I see the birds. I know he cares for me. And then it's like, if my head is hanging low, like I can still know. And I think that, I don't know. I was like, thank you, Lord, when that came into my mind. Cause I was like, I know I didn't come up with that. That is fire. Um, but, <laughs> but I really do think he did that on purpose. Um, and that's something that I want to do is I just want to pay attention. I want to look around. I think that you find what you're looking for. And it's like, I want to look for the good. I want to look at the birds. Um, and then next, I want to seek. Um, verse 31 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. I want to seek. I looked up, look versus seek, because I was like, I can't get up here and say like the same two points, like, but different. And so um, what it means to look versus what it means to seek, um, I found that look means to direct your gaze towards something in a specific direction. And to seek is the attempt or desire to find something. And look, I'm single, I'm 26, men be looking, okay? But 
my husband's going to be a seeker, okay? Like, I'm like, he's going to be someone who is seeking me out. And that's what I, like, that helped me to understand is I'm like, you can look, but that really isn't going to do anything. Like, we want to be people who seek. And so what I love about that is I feel like I'm someone who I constantly try to meet my own needs. Like, I, want, I feel like I need to fend for myself. Probably comes from something in my past. You know, I've been going to counseling lately. Um, but <laughs> God is saying that it gives him joy to give me what I need. And that he knows what I need. So it just takes the pressure off of me. I'm like, I don't have to figure this out. Like, I don't have to know the words and explain it perfectly and wrap it in a bow. It's like he knows what I need and he desires to give it to me. And so I want to seek him. I want to seek first the kingdom of God because he cares for me. And then lastly, I will not be afraid. Verses 32 through 34 say, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes, period. Okay, well, it didn't say period. But your treasures, I just was like, that's nice. Um, your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. I'm going to be honest. I have had multiple seasons of severe anxiety. Like, to the point where, like, I straight up went to the doctor because I was like, I think there's something wrong with me. Like, I was like, I might have, like, low blood sugar or something. Like, I was feeling paralyzed by anxiety. Um, and it is so comforting for me to know that, like, God cares about that. And I feel like when I know my value and I know that he has what I need and he's going to provide for me, like, there's really no room for fear. Like, there's only room for me to feel free. Um because I'm held by the creator of the universe. And so this is where I'm preheating my oven. Lee, that was so cool. Such a great question. Um, this is what I need. I need to know that he cares for me. And the way that I'm going to live that out is I want to look at the birds and see my value. I, I want to seek first the kingdom of God because he cares for me. And in the midst of doing so, hopefully, I will not be afraid. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this church and these people and just the opportunity to stand before family. I truly felt like I was standing in my living room just having a family meeting. Um, and it's just an honor to be here, Lord. Um, I just pray that this is the last day of 2023 and I pray that tomorrow, Lord, that we would just begin to lean in to you and remember um, that you care for us and that you provide that you love us more than anything. Um, we're so grateful, Lord. In your name, amen. Thanks, y'all. Guys, um, so one of the beautiful things about being a part of a church like this is that is that there are so many people who have so many things that they're gifted in and jobs that they do in their, in their normal life in between the Sundays when you get to see them. And um, our last speaker this morning happens to be a licensed professional counselor. And I've, I've never like actually paid for services rendered, but when I need advice, I go to Lauren Roberts. And so um, she is very smart, very wise, has a beautiful walk with the Lord, and has served him for a long time. So everybody, give it up for our friend Lauren Roberts. Hi. I would just like to say that when Lee asked me to do this, he did not tell me that I'd be following Brad and Cassidy. So... <laughs> I would like to officially revoke my agreement to do this. <laughs> 
Um, I'm Lauren. If you were to come up to me in the phase of life that I'm currently in and say, like, Lauren, how's it going with you? Like, what are you doing? I'm probably going to answer you by telling you how my children are doing. I believe that my husband and I are currently in the deep trenches of parenting. Um, we have two really young kids. Andrew is four. Cammie will be two in April. And we're just in that phase where they need us for everything, right? They're fully dependent on us. We, someone needs to be watching them with their eyeballs at all points in time, okay? And yes, like, they're so sweet and fun, and it's adorable, precious, and I love them so, so much. And it's a lot, okay? And if you are a parent in here of older children, and you're sitting here thinking to yourself, girlfriend, just wait. You don't even, you don't even know. You haven't even touched the imagination of what the depths of parenting is yet. I'm here to respectfully say, do not tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> I want to live in blissful ignorance that this is as hard as my parenting will ever be. <laughs> and that as they get older and more independent, my life will just be easy breezy from here, okay? Um, I need to believe that, because let me paint a picture for you of what like a typical morning routine is in my home right now, okay? Your physical being is assaulted by loud, tiny humans between the hours of 6 and 7 a.m. If you're lucky, that's on a good day, okay? There is no slowing into the morning like an easy wake up. It's just from dead asleep to all the noise you can possibly imagine, like a light switch got flipped on. Did those humans wake up in a good mood, a bad mood, a we will burn this house to the ground today mood? You don't know? Gotta roll the dice every day and find out. For my specific children, they must be fed within minutes of them waking up. If, if, if food is not hitting their mouth within two minutes of their eyeballs popping open for the day, you're done. You might as well start over, okay? So you get them like a yogurt pouch or something to tide them over while you try to make actual breakfast. And maybe while you're trying to make breakfast, your kids are playing peacefully and quietly with the toys you have lovingly provided for them. Or maybe your 18-month-old comes over to your table, climbs on a chair, climbs on the table, grabs onto your dining room chandelier, and swings from it George of the Jungle style, which has actually happened to me in my home, okay? <laughs> so you get the baby down off the table, you gotta break up some sibling fights in there, you gotta explain to your four-year-old why you can't stop his sister from looking at his pocket. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to tell you, man. You, you get breakfast on the table. Maybe they love that breakfast. Maybe they hate it. Even if you made exactly what they asked to, you to make, they could hate it. Get to the table. Don't want it. Okay? You, they ask for a banana. Demand a banana. In fact, you get them the banana. You offer them the banana. They hate the banana. It is offensive that you would have offered them the banana in this scenario. You make it through breakfast, you gotta break up some more sibling fights, you gotta negotiate hostage situations between toys and who gets to play with what when. You have to get ready, you gotta get the tiny humans into their tiny human clothes, which let me tell you, the tiny humans hate the tiny human clothes. They don't wanna wear them, they don't wanna wear them, but the societal expectation is that I will put them in the tiny human clothes before they leave my house, so I have to do that. There's wrestling involved, you gotta get them in there. Then you go on a search and rescue mission to find their socks and shoes wherever they may be around your house. More wrestling involved to get those in there, get to the car, you guessed it, more wrestling to get them into their tiny little car seats. And at least for me, at this point in the morning, I'm like, okay, we did it. We're in the home stretch. My kid's preschool is five minutes from our house. So I can see the finish line when we're at this stage of the morning. We're driving there. I'm all, I've almost made. I've accomplished the crazy morning parenting routine. And then on a regular basis from the back seat, my son will hit me with a question like this. <clears throat> hey, mom, how do airplanes fly? Which is a great, it's a great question. It's a wonderful, curious question for a sweet little four-year-old boy to be asking. It's just not a question that like, I'm emotionally equipped to handle at this juncture in the morning, okay? 
Um, and Andrew has been really into asking questions like this about the way things work. Like, how are fish able to breathe and swim underwater? How does our body know how to make more blood when you get like a little cut or a scrape or something? Um, how does a bridge stay up and not just right in the water when you drive across it with your car? And my honest answer for him in most of these situations is, I don't know, because I don't know. I have no idea how an airplane flies, okay? Um, I think that in the situation of the airplane, I mumbled something about aerodynamics and was like, mm, that's all I got, that's all I got, okay? And that can be a really frustrating or even like overwhelming experience for me until I remember that we know people, experts in their fields, who could answer those questions for Andrew. We sent Andrew's airplane question over to our friend Sam, who flies um, big cargo planes for FedEx. Our friend Dr. Austin answered Andrew's question about how our body is able to make more blood and how it knows to do that. And um, our friend Dr. Brian Bozeman answered Andrew's questions about how fish are able to swim and breathe. He like makes a little video message, we send it off to them, they give him a response, and it makes his day. He loves it. And I have thought, what a cool experience for Andrew to get his big life questions that he has, send them out to people, and to get an answer back just for him directly from the source. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I don't often have the same types of questions that Andrew does. I don't usually find myself wondering why the leaves fall off the trees in December or how a giraffe gets so tall. But I do have other kinds of questions that I can find myself asking. My questions usually look more like asking, how do I find peace about my loved one's safety in a world that can feel dark and scary and dangerous? What do I do um, when I get bad news, a health scare, experience a loss of some kind? What am I supposed to do with my money and stuff in this world? What kind of things will make me happy? Where am I supposed to go with my fear, my anger, my grief, my pain, my worries, my anxieties? And I don't know about you, but I don't always have a great track record for where I can seek to find the answers to my questions. I can be quick to run from them, to ignore them altogether, to try to do it all myself and take care of it on my own, to ask anyone or anything to fill in the answer for me to those things. And do you know how I feel when I do that? Frustrated, overwhelmed, scared, lonely. Now, as I was thinking about what do I want to remember going into the new year, what do I want to have on my heart as I prepare for whatever 2024 I might have for me, I thought the reason that I feel that way in those situations is because I forget. I forget that I have an expert, one that's on call 24-7, 365 days a year, just for me. I am so quick to forget that I have the expert, that at my fingertips I have the alpha and omega the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the one who made me, the one who knows exactly the way my brain works, exactly the way I feel about a situation, exactly what's going to happen in that situation, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. I can be so quick to forget that, to forget who's available to me, and to not go to him for almost any question that I have. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm like, I need to wake up sometimes. Um, and listen, I get it. I know that so often in life, our specific life questions don't have specific answers laid out for us in black and white. Sometimes I wish the Bible was like math textbooks back in the day. Maybe they're still like this. I don't know. But when I was in high school, you'd have your math textbook and there'd be like your practice problems and you could just flip over to the back and there'd be the answers. Just write, copy and paste them over. Okay? No effort. Um, just a perfectly easy spelled out answer for me. And sometimes I wish the Bible worked like that. No investment. No effort on my part. Just a perfectly spelled out answer. 
But the problem with that, as I soon came to learn in math class, is that it takes me completely out of the process. Um, and I think that if that's the way that it worked with God, my question would be, where is the relationship in that? Where is the building of trust in that? Where is the leaning in, the moving towards, the resting in, in that? Like Lisa, I'm a mental health therapist, so I talk with people almost daily about relationships. How do you have them? How do you create them? How do you repair them? How do you work to make them great and keep them that way? And one of the most common conversations I have with people is about trust. You want to build trust with someone? You have to start small. If you can't trust someone with your small, easy, everyday stuff, you'll never be able to trust them with your hard, scary, vulnerable stuff. If you don't talk to someone about your ordinary, they won't be the first place you go with your tender. So sometimes I think we don't get specific answers laid out for us like that because maybe there is healing found in the process. Maybe there is comfort in the continual return to him when we ask. Maybe there is peace in remembering who's the actual expert in this situation. It's not me, and I should be thankful that it isn't. And I get it. It might feel like a cop-out for me to stand up here and say, like, the thing I want to remember going to 24 is to, like, remember God. Um, <laughs> to remember who's available to me. But at least for me, when I slow down and really think about it, at the core of my response to so many of my big fears, big questions, big worries, is a lack of remembering who he is and who I am in him. In Jeremiah 33, two through three, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. In Psalm 119, it says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And in 1 John 5.20, it says, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. A really beautiful thing about Andrew getting older is that alongside his everyday life questions that he throws out there, more and more, he's starting to ask other kinds of questions. Like, Mom, does God really love me? Mom, is God stronger than anything in the whole world? Um, Mom, is there nothing that I could ever do? that would make God not want me. And my personal favorite lately. Mom, if I create messages in here, does God hear them up there? <laughs> and I get the privilege as his mom to grab his Jesus Storybook Bible or to pull out my own and to say, let's find out together. Because more often than not, I could probably use the reminder too. So my invitation to you as we move into the new year is this. Would you join us in seeking to remember the expert that we have? Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Um, I love Sundays like this, just getting to um, be with my people and to hear from them and to hear new perspectives and new thoughts on you and your word. I'm thankful that as we move into 24, 2024, that the thing that is most true for every single person in this room is that you are with us for whatever may be ahead and for whatever we may face. And I am thankful that we have you in our corner. Amen. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. And I am finding out the greatness 